to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Let's uh, read 2 Thessalonians beginning in verse 1. Now, brethren, Paul writing, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved." And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and every good word. Father, we come before you and I pray, Lord, that you would challenge our hearts today. Help us, Lord, to see past uh, uh, the, the society's norms. Lord, help us to see past even the church's norms. God, help us to see into your heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. Reveal to us how it is that we are to live in these last days. How we are to live in this day that we're living in. Father, it's not a mistake that any of us are here listening to this message. It's not a mistake that any of us who are here today and are Christians and are called according to your purpose. It's not a mistake that we're a Christian today. God, you handpicked us to represent you in this very time. And so, Father, I pray that as we prepare even one more day, as we study your word, and this is a very end time filled word today. God, help us to prepare for the struggles that we're going to face in the days ahead. Not just in the world, but also in the church. And so, Lord, I pray that you 
Reveal yourself to us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul, as he's writing this letter to the Thessalonians, he's writing this letter because there are those who have crept into the church. And what they did as they crept into the church, um, when Paul left and when Paul leaves the Thessalonians, when, when Paul uh, sends various people to the Thessalonians and then they come back uh, to report to Paul what, what God's doing there in the fellowship, what ends up happening is that the flock remains a little vulnerable. And what happens is that somebody comes in with a smooth talk and word and somebody comes in with a, with a, 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 a spiritual mindset and, and, uh, and they'll, they'll look at the vulnerability of the flock and they'll try to take over a leadership role. It's what was happening at this time. It was what was happening to the Thessalonians, also to the Laodiceans. And what was happening here is that as they, uh, as these others began to creep into the church, they began to interpret scripture according to the way that they wanted to interpret scripture in order for them to attain the leadership of that fellowship. They'd say whatever they needed to say in order to, to sway the fellowship to go and be dependent upon them. And it's in that that it's a very dangerous thing for a small fellowship and a large fellowship even as that to listen to people that sound good but are not biblically sound. Does that make sense? And it's in that that we need to also be very careful ourselves. Whether or not we're a part of this church or whether we're a part of another church somewhere else, what we need to do is that we need to know the word so well that when somebody else comes in and they begin to spout some things off that sound spiritual, but we know for a fact that what may sound spiritual is not accurate according to what the word of God says. And it's for that, that we must always test what the word of God says. We always must look and see when people come in and they say, even what I say, test what I say, please go back and look at the scripture to find out if what it is that I'm saying is true. And if what it is that I'm saying is not true, please bring it to my attention. Let me have an opportunity to defend my, my position, but also give me an opportunity to repent if I'm not saying something correctly. And so it's in that that we and our purpose, all of our purposes are is to seek the truth of God's word and to seek the magnitude of what this word represents. And that is to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, to get people saved and to get people growing. And so Paul, he's coming in here and he writes to these guys and he says, hey, there have been some guys that have come in and have told you that the rapture's already happened. The day of Christ has already come and you missed out. He talked about that back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, didn't he? Do you remember that, that area? He says, brethren, in chapter 4, verse 13, he says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you have sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep or who are dead in Jesus. You remember that message. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, doo, 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 and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. Um, this is a, a time that Paul is referencing where there are those that had crept into the church just a few months prior to. You remember, this letter was probably written just a few months after Paul wrote the first letter to the Thessalonians and Laodiceans. And it was one of the thing, one of the reasons was to combat, right? It was to combat those false teachers that were coming in and, and ripping the church off with false doctrine, with false teachings. And Paul is trying to correct that right here with the believers there in Thessalonians. He goes, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if it were from us as though the day of Christ had come. So Paul's saying, I don't want you to be troubled as if you got a letter from us saying, hey, hey, man, you guys missed out. Jesus has already come. Too bad for you to, you know, tough luck. You know, you are going to have to sit upon this, you know, uh, God forsaken planet for the rest of eternity because Jesus has already come back and taken those home who he wants to come, you know, to, to, to take home with him now, now. You know, whatever the proper, you know, that whatever the, the propaganda would be from that point on in order to keep people in the fellowship under their grip, they would then begin to spout that off in order to have power over the laity, to have an influence over the laity. And Paul says, hey, that's hogwash. The day of the Christ has not yet come. Don't be troubled. Don't be shaken. In spirit or in word or even by letter, as if we said anything that the day of Christ had come, because it hasn't. All right. And I say the same thing to you today, too, church. The day of the Lord hasn't happened yet. The day of Christ has not happened. But I believe it's very soon. Paul goes on and he, he says, here are some of the things that are going to happen. Let no one, no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. What's the falling away? Well, the falling away is a word that, that falling away, it's a, it's a, uh, the, that those two words can be summed up in one word in the Greek. The one word in the, word in the Greek is apostasia, apostasia which means a departure or it means a falling away. It means a rejection. Okay. It means a rejection. And there are two different views on that. And I, I would, I would say it would work better to say that the falling away would be the rapture of the church, the departure, the, the departure of the, of the believers. They, they, they are taken out of the way. Um, but, it doesn't necessarily look like that's the, the, as much as that would work towards the way that I see end times events happening, it doesn't look like that's what he's saying here. He's saying that day will not come unless the falling away, the apostasy comes first. Now, what is the apostasy? 
That means a rejection. The rejection of what? The rejection of Christ. The rejection, not just straight up rejection of Christ, but the rejection of how it is that God wants to do things. The rejection of how God's plan has set, has been set. All right? And, and what it is, it would be a, a rejection for twisting and turning and moving and shaping, molding and shaping the church to be man-centered instead of Christ-centered. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this um, in Jesus talking about the mustard seed. You remember when he said that, you know, consider the mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. And yet this mustard seed tree, it grows up into a great tree and the nerd, the, the birds, excuse me, not the nerds, the nerds, <laughs> the, the birds uh, who are nerds, uh, they nest in the branches of the tree. Birds, as you remember, we talked about that. They're a type of uh, the enemy. Jesus talked about the four seeds that had fallen, you know, that, that the sower went out to sow seeds. Some fell by the, 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 the road, some fell by the, the thorns and some fell by the rocky soil, you know, and then some fell into the good soil. But the seed that fell upon the beaten path, it said it was, it sat there on the beaten path, but then the birds came and stole it away. The, the bird is a picture of Satan. The bird is a picture of, of him coming and trying to steal the seed of God, the word of God away trying to take the word of God away from those who are having a hard time receiving it. Let's get that word away from him so that it doesn't germinate. Just this last, a couple of weeks ago, my father-in-law, who's here right now, um, Dick, hi, uh, he planted some grass seed. He spread some uh, rye, winter rye in our yard. And there it sits dormant and we're sitting there every day. We go out, you know, every day that I'm home, we go out and we look and see if it's popping up and, and if it's going to look really green. But the thing is, is that if, if the grass, it, 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 if it goes on the, the concrete, it doesn't grow. It doesn't grow. And we were wondering if it was growing the other day. And my wife, Lynette were, and I were outside and we happened to see that there was some grass in one of our flower beds right there by our front door. All of you who have been out to our house, you know that there's like a little flower bed right there by our front door, um, just to the left of our front door as you're walking in. And we got some little croton plants in there, but there was lining right where the, 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 the concrete is, is, uh, moves into the, to the, the flower bed, just right there along the line, just the line of the concrete, right where the flower bed starts. There's a line of grass that's popped up about, oh, I'm going to say it was probably an inch and a half tall. And it was just a line of grass. And uh, Lynette had asked me, how come there's grass growing right there? And I said, oh, well, it's because the seed that dad sowed the other day, some of it fell upon the, 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 the concrete. And the wind came and blew it off instead of blowing it into the yard. It blew it into, and it just kind of rolled right into the crease, right after, you know, right where the, 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 the flower bed starts. And so there's a line of grass there. But you see, until that seed got into some fertile soil, it wasn't going to grow. And so what ends up happening is that what Jesus was talking about in the four soils is that when the seed fell upon the hard soil, that beaten path, when it fell upon the concrete, if you will, the bird would come along and take it and eat it and take it away so that it would never have an opportunity to germinate, that it would never have an opportunity to grow up and to become what it was that it was supposed to be. 
whatever kind of plant. You understand. And so it's in that, that Jesus, he, he's the one who represents the bird as being that of the evil one. The evil one comes and tries to rob the seed, the word of God away from us so that it doesn't die and germinate inside of the good soil of our hearts and, and grow. Because the enemy doesn't want us to grow. He doesn't want us to become more like Christ. He doesn't want us to be Christians. He doesn't want us to know more about God's word. And so what ends up happening is that he tries to rob the seed. Well, inasmuch as the bird is the one who robs the seed, Jesus talks about that mustard seed that grows in. It's it's intentionally supposed to just grow into a, a small little shrub, a, a small little plant. It's not a very big plant. But Jesus said it grew up into a huge tree, which is an anomaly. It's an anomaly. It's something that wasn't necessarily supposed to be. But what happened is it grew up to be so big. And then he said, and then the birds came and nested in the branches. Well, the seed is the word of God. What does the word of God germinate? When it germinates, what does it grow into? It grows into the church. It grows into the, it grows into the life of a believer. It grows into the church. The church begins to grow. It grows into this huge monstrosity. But what ends up happening is that the birds begin to, begin to come and nest in its branches. The enemy begins to come and nest into the branches. And much like these guys there in the Thessalonian church, the birds begin to come in and start to, to influence the church and influence them away from God's word and influence them away from Christ, influence them away and say, oh, Jesus has already come. So listen to us. And Jesus says, no, no, or Paul says, no, no, don't let anyone deceive you by any means for that day is not going to come unless the apostasy happens first. The apostasy. This is something that I could spend quite a bit of time on, but suffice it to say, uh, I, I, I gave my last couple of messages I've spoken on apostasy within the church. And I, I, I think I've, I, I've hit it pretty hard and hopefully I'm not, uh, you don't feel beaten down. I don't mean to beat you down. My, my heart and my message is, is to try to warn us on what is in front of us. And that is the enemy has joined the church and oftentimes, church isn't run for the sake of the Lord. The church, think about it for just a second. I think I posed this question to you guys a few weeks ago, and that is, how many conferences would the Apostle Paul be invited to teach in with the harsh things that he would say? Romans chapter one. In fact, that's, that is the area that I, that I talked about where, where he talks about sin and how man has rushed away from God and, and moved away from God. And they begin to worship the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. And, and Paul, he really lays it out hard. And right now that, that the church is beginning to rise up against the church and the, the, the grace of the church is, and, and, and the, the, the heart of many in the church is that, well, we want to be loving and we want to be accepting. And so therefore what we want to do is that we want to love all things and all people. And while that is true, God loves all people. He doesn't accept sin. He doesn't tolerate sin. He doesn't, he doesn't accept sin and, and say, well, you know what? Cause I'm Jesus. 
I am going to love everyone in spite of their sin. And he does, but he loves you too much to allow you to stay in sin. It doesn't mean that just because he loves us, and even while we're in sin, that we are to stay in sin and he'll continue to love us and grace us and all that kind of stuff because it's counterproductive to what it is that God designed you and I to be, to stay in sin, to stay in in opposition to what it is that God had designed you and I to be. And, and, and four, we have been designed to minister to the people and to love, to be to be like Christ in the world. And so when you sit there and you think, well, here it is, let's continue to just uh, continue in our sin that grace would abound. Paul said, certainly not. Shall I continue to sin that grace would abound? Absolutely not, Paul said. Let's not tolerate sin. Let's love the sinner, but let's steer them away from the sin. Much like ourselves, let's get away from the sin but the thing is, what's happening is that the church is beginning to embrace the sin. I just saw something just even recently, just today, actually, of a uh, a uh, a worship leader from a, I can't remember where it was from, uh, where he uh, wrote a song. Uh, he, they called it a worship song um, that talked about uh, uh, how... Anybody who supported Donald Trump, you know, is uh, as a as a evangelical and he calls himself an evangelical that. Uh, that they're not even Christians, that they're just and he's just blasting them in a song. He's blasting them in a worship song. It's not a worship song. It's a blasting song. And and listen, we got to be very careful. I believe we have to be very careful in this day where we look at the political leaders that we have. You know, uh, you know, I'm not here to tell you whether you have to vote for Donald Trump or whether you don't have to vote for Donald Trump, whether you should have supported Obama or whether you shouldn't have supported Obama. I have my views and I have my convictions and those are what it is. And that's what I, I'm going to have to answer for what it is that 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 I feel. But I, I look at some of the, the things that he has done and I, I look at some of the decisions that he has made and I, I agree with many of the decisions. Now, before you go crazy on me and go, oh my goodness, I, I look at some of the decisions that, that Obama made and, and Bill Clinton and George Bush. I look at how anybody tolerates abortion and 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 says well it's okay it's a woman's right to choose i i would i would have to ask really is that what jesus would want is that i mean would you say yeah jesus here would say yeah that's okay abortion is okay i don't i don't think that anybody in their right mind could look at the word of god and and look at the mind and the heart of christ and think that christ would say yes Taking the life of an unborn baby who can't defend themselves, who is not your blood, by the way. You, you understand that. We had a message on that last Easter where the mother's blood isn't passing through the blood of the baby. They have two different blood types. Sometimes they'll have the same blood type, but not always. And if they don't have the same blood type, 
they're not passing the same blood. That that uh, embryonic sac is is uh, that it, it it has its own blood supply. All that she is is a nurturing. She she's actually feeding it nutrients in order to grow. But that's a life in and of itself with its own blood supply. It's not the mother's blood supply. It's the child's blood supply. And so if you're killing, if, if you, if you say, well, it's the, it's, it's her body. No, it's not her body. It's another body living inside her body. And all that she's doing is giving it nurture or she's giving it nutrition through the food that she eats and the, the, the fluids that she drinks until that that other life that is inside that has a complete and total different blood supply than the mother is grown enough to where it's birthed into this world. And so when, when we look at abortion and we, we think abortion is okay, the churches begin to embrace this. The church has begun to embrace this. And I think it's a travesty. But the, much of these, there are some in the church that are beginning to embrace this and say, well, we're doing this because we don't want to exclude anybody. And that's a dangerous road. That's a very, very dangerous, slippery slope to begin to go down. Because if we begin to accept sin, where do we stop? Where do we stop? And we have to ask ourselves this question. If Jesus were here today, would he accept it? I don't think he would. I don't think he would. I think that Jesus was very no nonsense. I think that he was, he loved the people. And here's, here's the, here's the, 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 the thing that we have to grapple with is, as believers. Jesus was the most spirit filled human being that has ever lived the face of this earth. Would you agree? I agree that. I think you would agree. He wasn't so high and mighty and and pompous or arrogant or anything like that when he was amongst the people because I look at it was the people on the street it was the commoner that found themselves surrounding Jesus all the time do you think that Jesus compromised in order for them to accept that no he didn't in fact he would say hard things and thousands would walk away from him so much so that over 5,000, upwards to fifteen to 20,000 people after he fed them walked away because he said something hard that they didn't agree with. But he didn't run after them and say, hey guys, stop, stop, stop. You just misunderstood what I said. He didn't do that at all. He was uncompromising. He said what needed to be said and they, they walked away from him. And in so much as that Jesus didn't run after those that, that walked away from him. That was the biggest exodus of a church I've ever seen in my life. Can you imagine? They all walked away. And the next words that I would, I would probably say is to the, to the leadership that I, that remained, the 12 guys that remained. Guys, please understand, I didn't mean it the way that they took it. No, he didn't say that. What Jesus said is, he just point blank looked at the 12 and said, hey, do you guys want to go also? And then he put the ball in their court and Peter said, well, where else will we go? You're the ones that, you're the listen, you're the one with the, 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 the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? Where else would we turn? These might be hard words for us to understand, but you're the, you're the one who has the words of life. 
And we know you. We know your heart. We know your character. We know what it is that you're saying. And, and we can't maybe understand everything you're saying, but we know who you are. And we don't have any anywhere else to go. And so Jesus would say things that would chase away at least 5,000 people in a moment's notice, just like that. Boom, gone. Even after he just got done feeding them to the gills. So here's the thing. There is coming a time, Paul says, where there is going to be a great apostasy. There's going to be a great apostasy within the church where the church begins to embrace the world in order to look more like the world so that they might attract the world. And they'll take scriptures like Paul saying, oh, I became all things to all men that I might win some. So much so, at what point does that become ludicrous in the way that you interpret what it was that Paul was saying? Paul would say, hey, if if I if someone is a non-meat eater, they're a vegetarian, I'm not going to eat meat around them because of my liberty. I'm not going to eat meat around them, and I'm going to love them, and I'm going to tell them about the Lord. I'm going to talk to them about eternal life. Because it's not about what, what we eat or what we drink. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified is what it is. And his heart and his purpose was to point people to Jesus. But a very erroneous way to understand that is I'm going to become all things to all men that I might win some. So I'm going to become a drunk. I'm going to go to the bars every weekend and I'm going to get toasted. And in the midst of my toastedosity, <laughs> I'm going to talk to my buzzed buddies and I'm going to point them to Jesus. That's not what Paul is talking about. I'm going to, you know, to reach, you know, the, the, the gay lifestyle, you know, the alternative lifestyle people. I'm going to become a lesbian or I'm going to become, a, you know, a homosexual in order to be, to win them to Christ. And then I'll lead them away from that. And that's not what Paul is saying. And that's not what Jesus would, would desire. Jesus didn't become a drunkard to reach a wine bibber, to, to reach a drunkard. He didn't become gay to reach the homosexual. He didn't, re he didn't, uh, you know, cuss up a storm to reach the coarse jester. He didn't, you know, uh, take a bunch of drugs in order to reach those who were strung out on drugs. He didn't reach, he didn't become a sinner to reach the sinner. He became a man and did not sin in order to reach the sinner who has sinned so that the sinner who has sinned would be able to be seen through his shed blood, through his sacrifice upon a cross. In the eyes of his father, he would be seen. That person, that sinner, that you, that me, would be seen as cleansed and holy and sin sinless because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That doesn't mean we stay in our sin. That doesn't mean we appropriate sin into our life in order for God to, to be glorified. But that's what's happening in the church right now. And, and I, I'm warning you, church. I'm warning you, brothers and sisters, don't buy into churches embracing sin because we want to be like Christ. Christ never embraced sin. He never embraced sin. He never embraced sin. He was comfortable around the people. 
and the people were comfortable around him, I guess, in, in, in a manner speaking. But he was that so that he could reach them and show them the way to his father. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. What does that mean? He wants those who are lost to be found. We don't be, we, we don't, we, we don't remain found. We don't, we don't, we don't become found by staying in sin, by staying in our lost state. When we're found and Jesus puts us back on the path, it puts us on a path of righteousness, that doesn't give us the license to go off the path to the, to, 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 to run after lost again. That's counterproductive to what it is that God desires for us. And yet, church, what I'm warning you about is, is that right now there are some very, very well-known churches and very, very well-known worship teams that are out there that are saying some hogwash stuff in their songs and in their messages in order to draw people in and make them feel welcome in the church. And, and I would say we need to be very, very careful that we don't join into a time of apostasy because we have to ask ourselves, is that what Jesus would do? I had a dialogue with a pastor uh, within the past five, six years. And he's a local pastor who basically said that the end justifies the means. He will do worldly things in order to attract people into the church. And they'll have worldly events and worldly things that they'll do. And then once they're there in the church, then he'll begin to try to change their, their mind and begin to point them to Jesus. The, the problem is, is that on the days that they're pointing them to Jesus, well, they're pointing them to Jesus, but on the days they're not pointing people to Jesus, they're not pointing people to Jesus. And they're, they're trying to get people to come in by adverse ways. And I would say that's never, the end doesn't justify the means. We don't sin to draw people in and then try to convert them. That's, I, Jesus never did that. Jesus, again, Jesus didn't become a drunkard to reach a guy who's, uh, you know, an alcoholic. He didn't go out and get stoned so that he could reach, you know, a drug guy, you know, somebody who's tangled up in drugs. But that's what's happening to our churches today. There are a lot of churches that are that are, are grab, grabbing onto this and embracing this, and the churches are growing. And the problem is, is that when the church grows and people have warm fuzzies, they think that the Lord is a part of that. And I would just ask, is it consistent with what the Word of God says? I'm not saying that all big churches are bad things, because they're not. They're absolutely not. And I'm not sitting here, and I know that a lot of people can go, oh, sour grapes, Pastor Don, you are a part of big churches, and now you're a small church. I, say whatever you want. I don't care. I don't care anymore. All I care about is, is the Word of God being taught? Is, is the Word of God the barometer of a church. Are we speaking away? Are we excusing away some of the things of the word of God? Are we not teaching the full counsel of the word of God because we don't want to offend somebody? And if that's the case, that's not a church. That's a social club. 
that's a a club to to it, it's a business it becomes a business and it's in that that I, I believe that that is a portion of the apostasy and I think that we need to be very 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 careful Paul says listen the day of Christ isn't going to happen until this stuff happens. Now, I'm not saying that as a church, we look at a, a, a section of scripture like this and hope for that to happen. That never is the case. That never was the case back when Jesus and Paul, you know, were walking the face of the earth. It's just stating a fact. There's coming a day that the church is going to begin to buy into the world system and the church is going to grow. That mustard seed is going to grow up into a big tree and the birds are, and the enemy is going to nest in the branches and it's going to continue to grow. And everybody's going to think it's okay. And then there are going to come, as Jesus says in Mark, in Matthew chapter seven, many will come to me in that day and they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do many mighty things in your name? Didn't we have a lot of great worship services in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do all these mighty things in your name? And Jesus is, says, I will declare to them in that day, depart from me. I never knew you. We never had a relationship. I think that's going to be one of the most tragic statements in eternity. Wait a minute. Jesus is going to say that? Yeah, look it up. That's exactly what Jesus says. Jesus says, yeah, you, you may have been in a church. You may have been in a, what you consider a church, what society considers a church, what the government says you're a church. You have a, uh, it looks like a church, but you were never faithful to the word of God. You were faithful to try to draw people in and become a popular place to hang out. That was a clean setting. Well, that's, if that were the barometer on getting people saved to be a clean setting so that people can have fun and have a, a social club, well, then they'd be right in there, man. They'd be, you know, right at the top of the list. But Jesus says to these guys, depart from me. I never need, we never had a relationship. We got to be careful. We really, really, really need to gauge what happens, not just in our, in, in other churches, as I'm talking about, but in our own life and in our own church, this church right now, that we don't do things simply to attract. We don't do things simply to uh, accept in and tolerate sin and say, yeah, sin's okay. Sin's not ever, oh, it's never okay. It's just never okay. It's just never okay. Paul says, man, it has been reported to the Corinthians in chapter two or in, in second Corinthians I think it's chapter six, five or six. It's actually been reported to me that there's somebody in your church that that's the son who has his father's wife. That's disgusting, Paul says. He goes in and he addresses the sin. But wait a minute. We might in the church go, well, but they're at church and they're hearing about Jesus. And we got to be very careful about that, guys. Got to be very careful about that. Listen, I'm running out of time, but, and it's probably good because I want to get into the end times next week and how this affects us in this end times. I think it's going to rock you, some of you. It's going to rock some of you guys in the way that we look at some of this and in, in, in how this is actually worded. And I think that it's, it's a wake up call to us to live our life for Jesus today. I don't. If, if I can leave you with this, 
and and it actually is a good thing because I'm 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 finishing in the middle of verse three. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. I believe we're in the midst. We're starting to have this apostasy. I believe that this apostasy is beginning to creep into the church, and the church is beginning to turn its back on God for the sake of being a popular place to be. And that's a dangerous place. The very next part of the sentence says, and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. And so we'll get into who is that going to be? Why is it that I believe that that's who it is going to be? And then we'll continue on through the chapter um, there next week. And that'll actually give you an opportunity to, to read the rest of this chapter this week. And then when we come together next Sunday, you'll have an opportunity to just help me with questions and I'll expect them. Okay, so um, read through the rest of this and really ask God to reveal this passage to your life. Gang, we're living in some very, very, very tough times. We're living in a time where it's a humanistic mind. It's the reason I had Paris Reedhead's message taught to you last week. I know that some of you uh, had some questions on it, but... And I'd be more than happy to answer those questions uh, this next week when you come, when we all come back together. I'd be more than happy to answer those questions. But guys, listen, life is not about us. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And man, we're nearing the end. And there are people that are going to go to hell without the knowledge of Jesus. And man, I want to be used by God. I want you to be used by God. I want us to be used by God. Let's live for him. Amen. Let's not join the apostasy church. Let's find any apostasy departure that the word of God says, if there's anything in our life that is not right and we cannot back up with scripture, if there's anything like that in our life, let's walk away from that. Let's confess it. Let's repent of it. Let's ask God to change us. Let's God, let's ask God to help us not to fall back into those things. And let's be used of God. God needs some generals in this day. God needs some, some officers in this day, gang. He needs leaders in this day that are not afraid to live for him. And it's going to get tough. And you're going to get not just hammered by the world, but you're also going to get hammered by the church if you live according to the word of God. You're going to be considered stuffy. You're going to be considered old school. Do you know what? Jesus was old school. He's the one who made old school. He's the one who said these words. I don't want to explain away God's words in order to have a liberty to live in sin. I want to live for Christ. I want you to live for Christ. I want to hear Jesus say to each and every one of you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Wouldn't those be awesome words to hear from Jesus? I believe they're going to be said. He said they're going to be said. I don't want to hear. It would break my heart and how foolish it would be to live for us to, to run after the world system. And to hear those words that I just said of Matthew chapter 7, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you have a relationship with Christ? I pray that you do. If you don't, would you bow your head right now?
Let's bow our heads. Father, right now, I pray. If there's anyone here today that doesn't have a relationship with you, if they've just heard what I've just said today, what we've talked about today, they've been a little nervous. They see that they're riding the fence when it comes to living for you and then also living for the world. And so God, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you or or even... Maybe they do have a relationship with you, but they're living more in the world today than they ever have. Or they're living in the world more than they should be. God, I just pray that each one of those people would come to you right now, honestly and openly with an open heart and say, God, you see my heart. You see where it is. You see my relationship with you is not in accordance to what your word says. And God, I want a relationship with you. I believe, God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me. I believe when he hung on that cross, he didn't hang for himself, he hung for me. And for all those who would come to acknowledge that he, being God in human flesh, hung on a cross for us to die in our place, a death that we couldn't die in order to attain a salvation that we could never attain apart from him. And so God, right now I come before you and I ask that you would come into my heart. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. He rose three days later for me. I want to be a Christian. Or for those others, I have been a Christian, but God, I have walked away and I come back to you and I'm so sorry. God, I don't want to be a part of the apostasy church. I want to be a part of the church that follows you and to rises to the occasion in these days that we're living in right now. Make me a Christian, Lord. Help me to follow you. Help me to live from this day forward for you. For the rest of us, Lord, we just come before you and we thank you, God for your word. Your word is is always true. The world may want to, and even the church might want to slant it their way, but God, your word is very plain. As we've said before, Lord, when your literal sense makes perfect sense, make no other sense lest we make nonsense. May we live according to your word freely. May we live for you in this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.